The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome. If you want to run with the game-changers, you're in the right place. Today's buzz, the valley. Okay, you're an entrepreneur. You birthed your visionary company outside of Silicon Valley, despite its lure as a destination of choice for global startups at every stage of maturity. Hey, are you having second thoughts about it these days? Before you uproot your organization, which you know can cost time and money and effort and agita, to relocate to the Valley's legendary, networking-rich, investor-friendly climate, First, take a pause and be sure you understand how the Valley can deliver and, on the other side, how it might disappoint. I have a panel of experts speaking to this point. Been there, done that. They know what they're talking about. They sent me some interesting, provocative quotes. I'll tell you about their quotes right now. First up on the panel, we'll welcome Dan Summers from Warwick Analytics. Dan says, and I quote, if the Valley won't come to Muhammad." then Muhammad must go to the valley. We'll talk to Dan in a moment, and he'll tell us exactly what he means by that. Also joining us is a return guest, always happy to have him back, Nuno Sebastio from Feedsai. He says, and I believe this is a personal statement, moving to the U.S. effectively means that you are building the same startup twice. I love it. Very enthusiastic comment from Nuno, and he'll explain in a moment. And rounding out the panel is a newcomer to the radio show, Mark Nerona from the SAP Startup Focus Program. And he quotes John Milton. Oh, very literati here. Tomorrow to fresh woods and pastures new. I love that. Very poetic. So join us for Relocating to Silicon Valley, Evaluating Your Priorities. Welcome. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers Radio. We're in the middle of holiday season, year-end 2013. Happy you can join us. And now let me introduce my guests. You'll get to meet them, and then we'll find out about their quotes. So first up is Dan Summers. He's currently co-founder and CEO of Warwick Analytics since August 2011, where he leads the business development. Dan is also an angel investor and a partner at Boundary Capital, an early-stage tech venture capital fund since 2009. Before that, he was the founder and CEO of video conferencing provider VCNet, which he started in 2000 and exited in 2011 in a trade sale. Before this, before he started his life as an entrepreneur, he was a management consultant for LEK Consulting. And let's see, he was shortlisted for numerous awards, including a finalist for Entrepreneur of the Year in 2006. Dan Summers, welcome to Startup Focus. How are you today? Very well, Bonnie. Very well, thank you. Glad to have you. Where are you calling from today, Dan? I'm calling from a uh, dark, just dark and slightly cold London. Okay. All right. Dark and slightly cold. Okay. We'll find out what you're drinking in a few minutes and see what time of day it really is. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> and welcoming back is Nuno Sebastiao. I think I know your bio by heart. You've been on so many shows with me, Nuno. Nuno is CEO at Feedseye. He formerly led large systems development for the European Space Agency. Wow. Nuno was co-founder of the Evolve Space Solutions, and here he is as an entrepreneur. Presently, he and his top team of data scientists. I, I think when I grow up, Nuno, I want to be a data scientist. The data scientists at Feedside deliver fraud protection technology at big data scale in order to, here's their motto, make commerce safe. Welcome back, Nuno. How are you today? Very, very well. It's good to be back again. Wonderful. Not so long ago. And Nuno, where are you calling from today? Uh, same place as usual, San Mateo in today's sunny, somewhat sunny California. 
Good. I'm glad it's sunny toward the year end. It's always nice to have sunshine. Thank you, Nuno. We'll be hearing from you in a moment. And rounding out our panel is Mark, Mark Narona, the America's lead for startup engagement at the SAP Startup Focus Program. Mark is responsible for working with the entire startup community. Those of you who aren't familiar with that, it includes startups, accelerators and incubators, venture firms, and universities. And he uses all of these resources to identify and engage with those that are building the real real-time world. Definition, a world based on big data and predictive in real-time analytics products and solutions. Mark's career spans almost 20 years. He's had leadership roles in large, medium, and small businesses, including IBM, TATA Consultancy, YPRO Technologies. He also is a co-founder of Raya Design, a San Francisco-based innovation and design firm. Welcome, Mark, to Startup Focus. How are you today? Very good. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Wonderful. Glad to have you. Where are you calling from, Mark? Palo Alto. Okay. And what's the weather there? Freezing. <laughs> Un- uncharacteristically, it's, um, it's in the 50s, so that means um, we're cold. Well, Mark, I'm in New York on Long Island, and our version of freezing is a little bit different than yours, minus about 25 degrees. But we'll we'll go with freezing. If that's the Palo Alto interpretation, that's fine. So I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go back to the wonderful quotes you all sent me, and let's find out what you meant and how they relate to our topic. Very important topic, relocating to the Valley, evaluating priorities, because it's a big decision. So let's start out with Dan Summers from Warwick Analytics. Dan, you said, and this is very profound, if the valley won't come to Muhammad, Muhammad must go to the valley. Talk to me, Dan. How does this relate to relocating? Yeah, so I guess that's we're based in London, which is a pretty good tech hub. There's a lot of engineering resources, a lot of entrepreneurs, and there is a lot of capital. And I would say probably the premier or one of the premier sites to do business. However, the business that I'm involved in and uh, is, is really a West Coast type business in the sense that mm huge and it definitely could be uh, sold to enterprises all over the world and really it's just putting things in perspective you can have your comforts and you can have your friends and your networks personal networks around you and you can do your best and you can build your own lifestyle or if you're prepared to make sacrifices then and if your dreams are big enough and if you need them badly enough then you have to uproot and you have to move to where those are more likely to make those dreams happen. And for this particular venture, then an element of the business, probably not all of it, um, but a big element is likely to be out west. When you said a west coast, I think you started off, Dan, saying a, a west coast type of business. How do you know if it is? Is everything tech a valley appropriate business, or is there a finer, a finer definition, a finer uh, grading, if you will, or, or a, a color palette of what should be in the valley, and why wouldn't everybody who qualifies under your definition start there? It's a very good question. So, for my experience of my last business, for instance, in the video conferencing sector, we were flying all over the world. And uh, we were obviously the nature of video conferencing, ironically, is that you've got to go to places first where they don't have it. So I spent most of my time on a plane trying to sell something to keep people off planes. Right. Um, So that was. (laughs) Yeah, um, that was um, actually not a West Coast business. And so I'm kind of defining it. It was a tech business. It was perfectly able to live in London. It was selling to enterprises, but it was quite transactional and it didn't Mm -hmm. require, let's say, the afterburners that the tech a very large play could be. It's probably not also there was a limit to the size and the scale of the business. And whatever happens with Warwick Analytics, um, the dreams and the potential for that business are significant. And, you know, you can put an extra couple of zeros on what what I think are, are, the, are the potential of this business compared to the last one. So almost by definition, the investors with the deepest pockets, the partners with the longest reach, and obviously SAP or one of our key partners, uh, that goes without saying. And um, the ability to cluster with like-minded individuals to make those dreams really happen. And it's the premier place. 
Well, that's very interesting. I'm thinking of an old phrase, Dan. I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but the phrase comes to mind, physician heal thyself. You're telling us that in the video conferencing business, you were on planes all the time to help people avoid being on planes so they could use the magic of video (laughs) conferencing so they don't have to go on planes. So there you were. So it really was a global business. You had to go see people to convince them that they didn't have to go see people anymore. Very, very interesting. A little bit of a, a a tautology. Thank you, Dan. We'll be hearing a lot more from you later in the show. Good perspective. Nuno from Feedseye. Moving to the U.S. effectively means you're building the same startup twice. I love it. Let's pull this apart, Nuno. How are you building the same startup twice and did you do this and what do you love about it? Talk to me, Nuno. Yeah, so I mean, when I was thinking about the tagline for this and I was reflecting on it, the, the there is a very different way uh, between uh Startups are built elsewhere and here in the valley. And I would argue, at least from our background, that the kind of startups or the kind of companies you build in Europe, where I also come from, uh, are mainly engineering, very engineering-driven in the sense of um, solving an engineering problem. Moving to the valley uh, and building on that, you effectively build other components of the company, such as marketing, sales, uh, product management, and a bunch of other functions that I would argue are not as well developed uh, in Europe. This, could, this effectively means that you have a part of the company there and another part of the company here. So you're starting again from scratch. And from our, my experience, at least, whatever credibility and reputation you've built there, it's only somewhat translatable into here. So that basically means you have to start from scratch again. Mm-hmm. And hence being very important to have uh, network supports, to have investors that can help you deal with that, uh, to have partners that can help you uh, uh, leverage, that you could leverage uh, to build that. So that's why you effectively, from my experience, built the same company uh, twice, but different components of it. In Europe, engineering, uh, here, sales, marketing, partnerships, biz dev, um, and those more business type of uh, relationships. And Nuno, you you finished up your quote by saying, I love it. I think you had an exclamation point on that after yeah. startup twice. <laughs> I love it. What do you love about that relocating? It's a big deal. It's expensive. What did you love about it? It is. I mean, I think this, is, this comes, uh, and I think someone else touches on that. It comes what moves you. Uh, so by definition, I'm a globetrotter, so I've lived in uh, uh, a number of countries by now. So I really love the challenges of building stuff, uh, and my definition of stuff is companies. So mm-hmm. and the, the way companies are built here in the U.S., it's and in the Valley in particular, technology companies, and there's a lot of know-how around here. I think that's what, that's what makes this place unique. There's a lot of know-how on how to build these companies and, and prepare them for faster growth. Um, mm-hmm. That, to me, is a huge learning experience. And that's why I'm loving it, because there's a learning component to it, and you can really see the impact that it has on the culture of your company, on the, even on the people back, back home, on the, on the way you grow your company, the kind of uh, perspectives you have. Um, so that's just love it. Thank you, Nuno. I have one more question. When you create a startup, you establish it, Outside the valley, does anybody look askance at you when one day you notify them, guess what, we're moving to Silicon Valley? Do you think people cluck their tongues, that's another old-fashioned phrase, cluck their tongues tongues and say, well, they finally got some common sense, they're finally coming here? Uh, Yes, I mean, not for for every company, and and Dan was alluring to it, I mean, not every company needs to be here. Okay. Uh, the companies that need to be here is companies that have certain aspirations to a certain growth because of their market potential uh, are companies that could uh, grow and leverage local partners here. I mean, I would not advocate that everyone moves here, but if you really want to have a type of aspiration and be uh, dominant or be a large player in your domain and is a domain that you can serve the world, uh, this is a very good launch path. It's the best okay. in the world, as far as I can see. 
Thank you, Nuno. Appreciate that. And let's turn to Mark Narona from SAP Startup Focus. Mark, you sent me a quote from John Milton. I just looked him up and refreshed my memory. If it's the same John Milton you're talking about, Mark, he was born in 1608 and lived until 1674. And he was an English poet, a scholarly man of letters, and a civil servant for the Commonwealth of England under Oliver Cromwell. Very, very interesting pedigree. Is that the same John Milton you're quoting here, Mark Narona? Yes, indeed, it is. And the quote, let me refresh for everybody's memory, is, Tomorrow, to fresh woods and pastures new. I love this. Relate this to relocating to the valley, please, Mark. Go ahead. So this is kind of an interesting uh, quote that's remained with me um, for quite a while. Um, And actually, it comes from a poem that Milton wrote, um, which was actually an elegy uh, for a friend of his who passed away. The poem um, is written in Milton's style, which is, you know, 1600s English, and it kind of talks about initially the huge task that he has in front of him, um, you know, eulogizing this friend of his who's died, which is very much like what goes through a startup founder's head um, when he's actually thinking about relocating is that it's a huge task. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain amount of, there's a certain amount of, lamentation in the poem and a certain amount of who's responsible, why did he die, similar to a startup founder thinking about this geo isn't really working for me and it's not working because of this, 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 this. Um, So there's that certain amount of negativity and those sort of things that the poem talks about, but uh, so does a startup founder. He goes through it and that's inherently a little bit of a danger um, Mm -hmm. since one needs to move on. And then there's something really interesting in the poem, which is that it has gods like Apollo showing up and uh, telling the poet that, uh, hey, you know, take it easy, stop lamenting. Um, the real fame that your friend who you're writing about is going to find is in heaven. It's not here on earth. So it's not such a bad thing that he died to begin with. And that's, that's kind of a little bit of the experience I suspect of coming to the valley for a for a large number of the startup founders. In many ways, it is a promised land. I'm using the term heaven a little loosely out here. And I it's really, appreciate and, that. Yeah, and go it, ahead. And it's really all about being, which is what the poem says, that it's not such a bad thing. He's just been reborn in heaven. And that's, that's really what, in my mind, many startup founders go through, this relocation to the valley, just being reborn in this um, heaven for startups. Um, So it's actually a really great thing to relocate. Thinking about being the new kid on the block. A quick question before we go to break, Mark. I was mentioning to Nuno, were tongues clucking, and and perhaps you've answered my question as well as he did, were tongues clucking when when a founder of a startup says, this geo is not working well, let's go to the valley to get our fresh woods and our pastures new, and if you will, be reborn in heaven. But in your experience, Mark, and you've been with SAP Startup Focus for a while, do you ever find startups that come across your desk, so to speak, where things are working outside the valley, but they think we can do so much better. Not this isn't working here, but wow, the valley is greener on the Silicon Valley side. Let's go through the effort, the trouble, the time to let everybody know and let's move it for really greener pastures. Do you see that a percentage of the time, Mark? Yes, absolutely. I see it, I see it quite often, a lot more often than I expected. Um mm. That's exactly what you see is that it's not, I mean, going back to the poem, it's not that earth sucks. Um, Earth is really cool and heaven's even cooler. So um, that's exactly in line with what you were saying. You see it all the time. Okay, good. Thank you. Just wanted to do that reality check for our listeners. Guess what? I'm going to give you all a break of about one minute time. We're going to come back to our listeners. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP. Our topic today, relocating to the valley, evaluating your priorities. I'm speaking with Dan Summers from Warwick Analytics, Nuno Sebastio from Feedseye, and Mark Nerona from the SAP Startup Focus Program. We've already gotten good insights, good level setting, talking about who should or shouldn't, why do you or don't you want to go through the effort to relocate to the valley? And the other side of the question is, why didn't you start there in the first place? When we come back, I'm going to ask my guests what they're drinking today, and then we're going to deep dive into a very interesting roundtable conversation. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll be right back after the break. Mike out. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. Welcome back to Startup Focus with Game Changers Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and I'm speaking with Dan Summers from Warwick Analytics, Nuno Sebastio from Feedseye, and Mark Nerona from SAP Startup Focus Program. We're talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly of where did you start, where did you birth your visionary company, outside the valley perhaps? Maybe you've had second thoughts. Maybe you're thinking... The valley is very much greener, or maybe you're thinking where you are just isn't fertile enough, period. You've got to move. Well, why not to the valley? We know it's a good place to go. So before we kick off our roundtable, I want to ask my three guests, what are you drinking today for our little coffee cup segment here? So Dan Summers from Warwick, what's in your cup today, Dan? Or what do you wish you were drinking? What I'm drinking is what I always have about this time, which is some green tea. Um, The irony is that it was actually bought in Taiwan on a visit with some SAP folk and some customers there. So it's quite a nice little reminder of the global world, um, what we're trying to achieve, as well as relaxing me at the same time altogether. Very nice. I like that. Tea is a memory, jogging a memory of, of a good experience and also related to your business. Great. Thank you, Dan. Nuno from Feedseye, what are you drinking today, Nuno? Same as last time I was on the show, it's just some chamomile tea. Uh, it's rich. As Mark was saying, it's somewhat cold here uh, in the valley, so nice warm tea. Good. Glad to know it. And chamomile, we know, is very soothing. It's very fragrant. I have to put you down on my list as the chamomile tea guy, Nuno. We'll do that so I don't have to ask you again. But you know what? Just like relocating to the valley, you might change your mind before the next time you're on the show and have something different. Say, hey, Bonnie, not chamomile today. So I'll take my chances. And Mark Nerona, what are you drinking today? Oh, I'm drinking a very standard latte, um, which... In some circles, is not a very positive term. You know, the latte drinkers, the kind of elitist urban dwellers who kind of disconnected from the intellectuals. That's one way of looking at it. And I think the other thing, since you asked about this, I actually went and looked it up, and I realized that there's a cafe in Berkeley called The Med, which actually claims that they invented the cafe latte. Um, So this is pretty interesting. I've got to go and check it out. It's supposed to be allegedly the oldest coffee house um, in America, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, very interesting. We'll have to look that up. I appreciate that. Good, good backstory there. Thank you, Mark. Now that we've figured out, by the way, they don't let me have caffeine on show day, so I just got 
plain filtered water. What can I tell you? Nothing fancy here. But let's let's go into our round table. We want to spend the bulk of the rest of our time together talking about this issue of relocating to the valley. What are your priorities? What's the weighing the pluses and the minuses? Should you, should you not? And if you do, how do you do it well? I'm going to start off with uh, some notes that Dan Summer sent me before the show. I have an interesting new term. You might want to all write this down. P-U-H-O. Let me explain. Dan said, Dan Summers from Warwick Analytics says, being physically located in clusters and personal networks, colon, and here's the rest of it, the power of the probabilistic, that's the P, unstructured, that's the U, H is happenstance, and O for opportunity. So it's probabilistic, unstructured, happenstance, opportunity, P-U-H-O. Please bail me out here, Dan Summers. What in the world are we talking about? Um, well, every good technologist uh, needs to have a few acronyms, um, but um, it really is an experience which has come out of some... Ve- I'm a very structured person. Uh, I'm, I'm a very right-brain person, at, sorry, left-brain person at work, and um, what I realize is that you can plan for a lot, but actually what you end up uh, succeeding in is very often a percentage, if not the entire percentage uh, of 100%, is actually, it's either the P-U-H-O or altogether. And if I look at how I arrived at Warwick, if I were to join Mm -hmm. a few dots, how I were to actually have come up with my last business idea and um, some of the things along the way, um, they didn't all happen accidentally, but there was a lot of poo-ho along the way. Uh, (laughs) and, And how it relates to my, the Valley experience, of course, is that, you know, you can have starry eyes. You can just go places because people tell you to. Well, great. Mm-hmm. Knock yourself out. The reason why we're excited to extend to the valley, uh, and again, I use that word deliberately, as, as well as relocate, is that you just can't substitute being in a target-rich environment and an environment where you have people who are thinking the same as you, where they're doing the same as you, where there are things that are succeeding and not succeeding around you for you to learn on and help and be helped by. And if you're, if you're not in, there's another sort of, I don't know if it's a British saying or whether you know this, but, you know, if, if you want to win a raffle, you've got to buy a ticket. Yep, it's a lottery. That's what we say here. If you, you can't, can't win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket. That's something that a lot of moms tell their kids. So go ahead. Good point. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, so that's really the, that's really the core of, uh, of, of of you've got to put yourself in in the in the zone. You've got to plan, but you've also got to plan for the unstructured. Well, the puho. Okay, I like that. I, I want to know, Nuno, do you have anything to say about that? Because I have another point I want to bring in that's similar from you. But thoughts on this probabilistic, unstructured happenstance opportunity, the puho. Anything you want to add to that, Nuno, from Speed's Eye? Um. Well, I've heard that on an engineering term as serendipity, uh, and it does play a huge role. And preparing for it or structuring for it, that's one of the things that happens here in the Valley. A lot of of the people that would be your partners, your clients, your your employees, as there's a huge ecosystem here, serendipity Mm -hmm. happens a lot. You bump into people. That might uh, help you, or that might be of value to you, or you might be of value to them. And this is something that I have not seen any, anywhere else. So those kind of things, they are, the, the, they are highly disproportional to the value that they can bring to you. So they can bring a lot of value, and it just happens here in the valley. Some of my investors, the way, for instance, I bumped into SAP as an investor, was uh, because it, I was here talking to a person that talks to a person that talks to another person, and we ended up meeting them. This would not happen elsewhere. Very interesting. And you hit on that word, serendipity. I was going to go to this point. You say, you told me before the show, for example, one of my investors introduced me to another who introduced me to another. And it was the VP of BizDev at one of the large players in our space. And an uh, interesting comment from you, Nuno, exactly on our talking point here. You say this density in the valley makes the valley unique. And I think you've already explained that. Dan, would you agree that, and Mark also, would you agree that the, the density of this network and the serendipity, this happenstance, these clusters, of like-minded investors and startup people, this this density is unique. Uh, Dan, you agree? 
I, I, I agree. I, I just kind of put it in context, if I can just add that, you Please. know, if you're in the world of insurance, uh, London's a great cluster. If you're in the world of finance, New York and, and you know, Shanghai's a great cluster. You know, it is just uh, for our technology and for software, it is the premier cluster. So, you know, there, there are other clusters for different reasons, um, but, you know, it is the best for, for, for what it is. Thank you. And Mark, now I want to get you in on this. And, and you mentioned the, some of the other clusters. You told me that Silicon Valley continues to be the destination of choice for startups at all stages of maturity. But you also mentioned to me Tel Aviv and surprisingly New York rank high up there as well. Why is it surprising? First of all, why did you include Tel Aviv in your notes to me, Mark? And why is it surprising that New York ranks so high up, please? Well, uh, to begin with... Um you know, the, this data that uh, I've been tracking for a bit is, is coming directly from a project called the Startup Genome. And um, I've noticed uh, how they've been looking at startup ecosystems, and they call them as hubs. Now, um, why is Tel Aviv um, up there? It's right up there, right behind the valley. And it's very clear to see that there is a huge amount of startup activity happening in Tel Aviv, and we're seeing it right here as, as all sorts of firms come out of Israel. And some actually are interested in making decisions to go into Tel Aviv to set up their operations. Ah. Yeah. Um, so this is something that we are tracking to. And as far as New York is concerned, yes, it is a surprise because all the money is in New York. That's what we all mm -hmm. felt. Um, yes. And interestingly, when you do look at them, um, there's, various, there's various little observations you come across that uh, deal flows better in the Silicon Valley. And so that's a little bit of a kind of a reverse surprise that shouldn't it be the other way around? Um, yeah. But New York's picking up quite a bit. And, um, yes, the money's there, um, continues to be there. The startup activity in that geo is picking up dramatically. Uh, whilst the money's been spread out pretty much all over the country, um, but it's, uh, it's also encouraging local startup activity in the New York geo. So I suspect we'll see a major change in the years to come. Interesting. I want to go to something Dan Summers told me about. We just talked about Tel Aviv with Mark Narona. You say you talk about building bridges, Dan. You say the Israeli model is stretch without snapping. I have no clue what that means. Why don't you share with us the explanation? Is, is it the Israeli in general? Because we did a show on startups in Israel. I think, yes, we called it Startup Nation Israel. We did a show a couple of weeks ago. Very, very interesting group of panelists. So the Israeli model, stretch without snapping. You have to tell me more. Dan Summers. So I, I actually got the Israeli word, the Israeli model, from some friends at SAP. Uh, it might have been Mark, actually, or I think it was uh, uh, Sanjay um, Chirol. Um, and it was really quite interesting it, it, because it, it plays to some things I said earlier about extending rather than relocating per se. Engineering resource is very expensive in the valley. And also for what you get value for money, if you were looking at it very coldly, you might get a good engineering resource elsewhere. I'd be interested to know what Nuno thinks, and, and Mark, of course. But the, um, but the um, So there are a lot of Israeli models, that, if you like, that are, that are happening where the engineering resource, which frankly can be anywhere in the world, um, mm -hmm. is in, let's say, Tel Aviv, which is obviously where it's come from, uh, London, in my case, and Warwick, where the uh, data science uh, comes from, the, the university which we spun out of. And, um, and there are various other hotspots in, in Europe, Eastern Europe, and, and, and Russia, and so forth. And so that's kind of the Israeli model. So, if, and, and it does work. It, there are precedents where it can be very successful, where the commercial arm has a strong presence on the West Coast. The engineering resource is, frankly, somewhere else. And, um, and you can still uh, put afterburners on that business and, and, and get a West Coast uh, business going. Dan, before I, we bring Nuno in, I, I'm very interested in what he'll have to say. Are these branches, I think you're describing, are they subsidiaries of the company or are they just departments that happen to have different geo locations or different bases? Is this a company with four headquarters or three headquarters? You know, they say two heads are better than one. So how does a company divide and conquer that? Talk to our engineering support there in the Valley and talk to our money person there in New York. How do you do that? So the first thing is, on a personal level, I haven't done it, although my chairman and my advisors have. Uh, the irony is that in my video conferencing business, I was selling my wares, peddling my wares to people who were actually trying to achieve this, as well as much larger companies who were uh, suffering global uh, stretch. 
Um, so the world is a very small place these days. There is lots of technology, particularly for technologists in terms of Skype, and also people's working hours around the clock and everything else. Uh, they're becoming more used to it and building relationships from afar. So I think it's easier to do, but you can still get it horribly wrong. And um, perhaps other people can pick up on that. But I've seen other people with starry eyes looking up at the stars and suddenly they've gone down a manhole, right? Um, and one of those is actually stretching uh, where you snap, where communication lines become too long, where, as you say, Bonnie, you have too many heads running their own little fiefdoms all over the world. Yes. And frankly, they've all got their own agendas. So, you know, you have to get everything aligned. There are precedents for getting it right. There's the technology out there. There's the culture out there. Um, you know, get some experience and, and, and uh, don't make too many mistakes. Good, good points all. And, and the interesting thing is we're talking about startups, so supposedly a fairly small core group when you launch, when you get it off the ground. So you're not talking about a behemoth enterprise with tens of thousands of employees saying, we're going to launch a branch here, we're going to start three subsidiaries yeah. here, we're dealing with the HR, we're dealing with where do we fund them, what are the local rules, we need to be careful with, with how we talk to each segment and what do we bring in terms of local customs. So you're starting small from a base, and hopefully you can do it right, right from the get-go. Uh, Mark, do you have any comments on this? Because I, I have something I want to shift gears a little bit and talk to Nuno in a second. But, Mark, any comments on what we're talking about, the Israeli model stretching without snapping and the globalization of your company in terms of departments with footprints in different geos? Mark Nerona? Well, yes. Um, actually, there's a little bit more I'd like to add to the Israeli model Please. per se. That, uh, yeah. yes, it is stretched without snapping, but it's also... Very interesting thing that um, you know uh, is it comes from that part of the world, which is use intelligence, move fast, execute uh, to a T, uh, mm -hmm. and really, really think out of the box. I mean, really, really, you know, uh, step back and do something that would be completely unpredictable. That's also something that's very unique about Israel per se. And um, it's showing up in various ways. It's shown, it showed up in their history over the years, uh, especially how they, how they attack uh, or approach conflict. But beyond that, it's also showing up in their startups. Um, and to, to Dan's point, uh, yes, um, complex engineering resources, uh, complex high-end research, um, Israel is becoming uh, a major center for that. And that's showing up in the startups that we're seeing out there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I fully agree that there is something very unique, and uh, there's no wonder that it is evolving as a very, uh, you know, as one of the hottest startup hubs on the planet as well. And there's another quick comment I'd like to make about to Dan's original point about PUHO, as he called it. There's this mm -hmm. theory that we've all been hearing about called the Black Swan Theory, which is about unpredictable events. Um, and again, I mean, being in the valley, um, being in this dense networks, there is this unpredictability, um, which is a theme that tends to run uh, in some of the evolving startup hubs. And um, so, I mean, I, I completely agree and understand what he's saying here. And I think the subtext for that word unpredictability to me would be anticipation, excitement, risk, taking your chances to a degree and being willing to be very, very agile and flexible, which I believe are two of the hallmarks of startups. At least that's what they're supposed to have is flexibility and agility. I want to move this conversation in a slightly different direction. Buzzword recently going around the world is IPO. I know, I know it's not a new concept, but Twitter's IPO and Facebook, not so much. And recently there have been a lot of tech IPOs. And uh, Nuno, I want to talk to you and, and I'm going to have both Dan and Mark chime in because I know they have a lot to say on this. Let me read a point you sent me before the show, Nuno. I'd like to dive into this. You said there's a myth. The myth is the likelihood of startup success is better in the U.S. compared to Europe. And then you add this thought, Nuno. If you define success as, quote, unquote, startup does an IPO, unquote, then there is no meaningful difference in success between the Euro U.S. and Europe. And Nuno provided me with a graph which unfortunately this is radio, so I can't show it, but you showed me a graph where the year of first VC investment was pretty parallel in terms of U.S. and Europe. Nuno, talk to me. Is the, how is pervasive is this myth? Where does this myth go around? And let's bust this myth wide open. So go ahead, Nuno, from Feed's Eye, please. Yes, I mean, I put that, that, that information there to be on the controversy side because there is, there is a myth that to an IPO you have to be uh, here. 
Well, mm-hmm. I think the needs have two parts to it, or as we have to be started here. If you want a IPO, you have to at some point move here. Now, it doesn't really mean where you were started. And if you really look into a lot of the startups out there that do IPO, and if you look at where they were really started, where their, their, their teams came from, their founders came from, and so on, uh, you actually realize that a lot of them were started all over the world, all throughout the world. Uh, some examples, ClickTech is a European company, just, just as one in the analytics space where I think uh, Warwick plays. Uh, and there, there's a bunch of others. Um, but the key thing is, if you really want to have the capital and the IPO, you're not going to IPO in a European uh, stock exchange. You're going to IPO uh, here because that's where, we want to accept it or not, that's where liquidity is in the public markets. And this, as Dan was saying before, is the ultimate uh, expectation for the kind of startups that should be built or at some point move here to the Valley, is to have those bigger-than-life type of expectations. Not everyone will make it, and actually very few make it to the public markets, but this should be uh, the expectations that you have. does not mean, and I think we are an example, and many others are, uh, that you have to start from here since day one. And touching on another point that, that was being said, uh, today, in today's world, with all the technology we have, and if the people are prepared for it, you can actually have distributed teams uh, throughout the world where engineering is in one place, uh, BizDev is in another one, uh, headquarters is in, is in a third one. You can make that happen. It has a cost, of course, but you can make that happen. But going full circle, on the IPOs, it, there's data shows that there's really not a lot of difference where you start, but data also shows that's a huge difference where you end. And IPOs, technology IPOs, uh, end up here in the U.S. Thank you, Nuno. Dan Summers, Warwick, talk to me. What are your thoughts on defining success? And there are a couple of points. The opening point, starting the IPO, and then, of course, we'll talk a little bit later about the chances of selling your company as a startup better, actually 8% better, Nuno says, in the U.S. than Europe. But let's not go to the selling point. Let's go to the entry point as an IPO. What are your thoughts and your experience at Warwick in terms of that those three little letters that seem to strike gold in the hearts of very eager investors who may not know much about the company? What do you think? Dan? Um, yeah, well, I, I, think they, I think those three little letters can be overrated, um, personally. I think that there are lots of ways to make a thing and um, get follow your dreams. And, you know, for most entrepreneurs, money is part of that, but sometimes just the scoreboard rather than anything material. And, um, you know, a trade sale or some other uh, uh, exit um, can, be, can be just as satisfying. The IPOs that we've seen news really have come off the back of, you know, a few years in the wilderness as far as the capital markets have gone. And um, they also, I think, there's another myth. People see them. Uh, they're very, very high profile. But again, I'll come back to the raffle or to use the American phrase, lottery, um, which is that, you know, people look at Instagram, they look at Twitter, they look at Facebook. And... Um, you know, these are undoubtedly very clever people uh, whose timing has been right. Um, but there's also, in some instances, and I guess it's a degree of uh, subjective opinion, a enormous slice of luck. Well, there's always luck involved in all of our worlds as, an entre- as entrepreneurs. Um, you know, how, how some guys can uh, get, uh, you know, a billion dollars in uh, in a couple of years, um, I don't think they could plan for that. That's the biggest poo you'll ever see. So um, I think you have to kind of take these things with a bit of a pinch of salt and, uh, you know, have your plan A. Um, Capital markets might favor you one way or the other, but have a plan B and um, just try and make a profit. (laughs) I think that there's a lot of companies who uh, just, you know, um, look at Twitter, but I think making a profit, growing it big, and then the rest will take care of itself at some point. 
Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Mark Narona, making a profit, IPO. Talk to me. What's your thought about IPOs? And how many do you see that pass through the doors and across your desk and Robert's desk and Kostov's desk at the SAP Startup Focus Program? What, what do you see in terms of companies that say, we can do this, it's IPO time? Brave or foolish? Talk to me. Well, first of all, not as many as we'd like. Um, you know, I'd love to see more IPOs. That said, uh, it does look like, uh, despite the the prevailing environment, that 2013 has been a hot IPO time, both in Europe and in the U.S. What is interesting, though, is the sectors in which the IPOs are happening. They're very different in nature when you look at, whilst uh, this year has been better in Europe, uh, definitely not the way it was in 2010, maybe, um, but when you really look at the IPOs and you see which sectors they're happening in, interestingly, I mean, and uh, this seems to be what the data is pointing to, that there's not a lot happening in tech in Europe, um, whilst there is quite a bit of uh, activity in the IPO sector in the U.S., which, again, is um, the activity is being called as, you know, almost the hottest since the bubble. Um, now, which one I'm not quite clear about um, because we've had more than one. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, there seems to be quite a bit of tech IPO activity here. And so I think when it comes to IPOs, um, there's a lot of factors that, that come into play. Uh, timing is one of the key factors, both uh, within the company. Is it ready? And is it the right time as far as the economic indicators and the economic environment is concerned? So I feel that, to Dan's point, that the IPO is not really the goal, um, building company that has value is the goal, and the IPO is one of the things that happens on the life cycle. Um, it, it almost tends to happen naturally if you've got a good management team in place. Okay, good points all. I want to talk about the other endpoint. We mentioned about the chances of selling the company as a startup, and Nuno says there's 8% higher percent in the U.S. than in Europe. Just want to touch on this briefly. Uh, where do these facts come from, Nuno? And, and I'll then we'll ask Dan and Mark if they agree with this. I was surprised. I mean, there's many data points you can use uh, on those things. Uh, that particular one, um, I believe, it comes from from Deloitte, uh, the consulting company, where they okay. have they track fastest growth companies and they track uh, uh, M&A activity. Um, I would argue that it's still today the case where a lot of your buyers are in the U.S., uh, but we also see. Um, some U.S. companies being bought by Europeans, and there's also M&A activity, not IPOs. That, 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 uh, that's what I said before, not Mark that's on before. Uh, but there is also M&A, um, especially at the smaller sizes of companies. There's also a lot of M&A happening in, uh, in Europe. Thank you, Nuno. And you know what? I want to talk about one more thing before we go to break. We've got about three minutes, maybe, oh, four or five minutes actually here till we go to a break, and then we're going to come back with the predictions at the end. But I want to talk about a word I introduced a little while ago. We were talking about the flexibility, the agility. We're talking about the happenstance, the probability, a little serendipity somebody threw into the conversation. Great word. And I threw in the word risk, ability to take risk. And let's talk about the differences between the American business mindset, persona, I'll even call it the stomach for risk in American business versus the stomach for risk in European business. And I've been told that due to a number of factors, European businesses are very risk averse compared to U.S. businesses. So let's talk about how relocating to the Valley, European startup coming to the Valley, will they lose their European risk-averseness, sorry for that word, and become more Americanized in terms of, yeah, we love risk, this is great, we're in the Valley, let's go for broke, hopefully not broke. So Dan Summers, you want to take this one? What, what's your, your thought on this difference in mindset regarding risk? Uh, well, I, I do see it. Uh, I would kind of make the observation that uh, poker players, world championship poker players, are actually risk averse. And although they look flashy and they make big moves and they go all in and they do all this stuff, they're calculating all the time about the ability to put the opponent off and, and the swagger and everything. So there's a lot of maths going on inside and a lot of very conservative um, thinking that goes on inside a, gambler's, a good gambler's head. So... I think when you talk about risk, I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, let's throw caution to the wind. Um, I don't think that um, 
calculated risk takers, and which is what entrepreneurs are, think like that. Mm-hmm. However, I will support your point. Uh, London is a pretty special place in Europe, and it is kind of you know halfway between the U.S. and continental Europe in more than geographic terms. So there is a, definitely an appetite. But entrepreneur is not the same, even though it's a French word. <laughs> this is the mm-hmm. irony of it, right? It's a European yes. word, um, uh, non-Anglo-Saxon word, and yet you know it's the most uh, uh, non-European of, of concepts, really. If I'm honest, and you know there there mm-hmm. are. Uh, a lot of great entrepreneurs in Europe, and it is a good environment for a lot of businesses. It's actually a very good environment. There are a lot of sectors which which flourish. But you're absolutely right, and, and I think that the the fact that there are even laws where, you know, if you go bankrupt in, in Europe, and certainly in the UK, it's very difficult as a director to start up again. Uh, you know, it's a yes. bit of a you're a pariah. Um, you know, you, you kind of get punished for, the, for that experience, whereas... Mm-hmm. Uh, in the U.S., you know, the laws favor you, not failing deliberately, but they allow failure. And success comes out of the tolerance and ability to thrive and to fail. And I think probably everyone around this call can, can, can resonate with that, is that, you know, if, if, you, if you succeed on your first roll of your dice, then you are lucky, let's be honest. Uh, you know, you only learn from your failures. And I can personally tell you that I've, I've failed 10 times more than I've succeeded. And that's supposed to be the way it is, Dan. You're supposed to have that tolerance. But failure is only good if you use it as a learning tool, as a way to get back up, dust yourself off, and do something different or better the next time or the next time or the next time. Thanks for those insights. We have about, oh, two minutes till break in this segment. Mark, thoughts on this European versus American risk tolerance versus averseness or averseness. Mark, what do you observe in your startups? Very similar to Dan's comments um, that yes, there is a there is a stigma associated with failure, both in you know in the, the commercial uh, world uh, with regards to the laws and uh, you know finances that are available to you and those sort of things, and also in in you know socially uh, there is a stigma associated with failure in Europe, which is entirely different in the U.S. So uh, mm-hmm. tend to tend to kind of um, agree with that, and also very. Surprising in a way, it's not just about the fact that the word entrepreneur is is a French word, but also the fact that when you really think about creativity, um, mm-hmm. it's a very European sort of almost an instinctive European feel to it that, that Europe's a lot more creative, allegedly, um, than America. Uh, really? You know, and I'm sure that that's a provocative statement there. It's very um, provocative. A little late in the show, but it's very <laughs> provocative. <laughs> wow. I just got a new topic for another show. Go ahead, Mark. Continue. I'll give you about a, we have one minute till we break. So why don't you finish us up before we stop? Go ahead. And if you just went with that, that being creative really is in some way, again, using the term, term loosely, in some way, taking some risk, uh, getting out of the envelope a little bit. So mm-hmm. it's kind of surprising that there is this acknowledged fact that European firms, including startups, are a lot more risk-averse as compared to the U.S. Does that change when they come to the U.S.? I really uh, I don't think I have an opinion on that. Um, I, haven't, I haven't spent enough time with them to see the change per se. But I do notice that the level of risk of in Europe is far, far higher. Thank you. Very interesting. Good discussion points all. I'm going to give you all a break for exactly one minute. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, I'm going to ask Dan Summers, Nuno Sebastio, and Mark Nerona to pull out the crystal ball. I know it's in the attic or the boat or the car or the basement somewhere. Polish it off. And I'm going to ask you when we come back for your predictions. If we had this conversation five years from today, which would be December 2018, and we were talking about relocating to the valley in terms of the mindset, the risk tolerance, the European mindset, the U.S., the tongues clucking at did you fail in Europe, is that why you're here, the opportunities for serendipity and networking and opportunities of the U.S. versus other startup hubs. Would we be having the same exact conversation or do you think things would change dramatically in five years and we would have a totally different way of approaching it. Think about that. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers presented by SAP. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back with our prediction segment. You don't want to miss this one. Mike out. Hey. 
have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for the keywords World Talk Radio. Once you're a part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the World Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for World Talk Radio. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus Drug Discount Card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies, but 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Start saving today. Print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word talk radio to 96362. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. Welcome back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. We're talking about relocating to the valley. What are your preferences, your priorities, your mindset? What's your stomach for risk and for probabilistic opportunities and serendipity? If we had this conversation five years from today, what would we be saying? Let's do our predictions fast and furious. Dan Summers, Warwick Analytics. One minute, go. One prediction for, for, for Warwick and one for the valley. Uh, okay. For Warwick, well, who knows? In, in four years, all I know is that it will be completely different to whatever I predict. That's my prediction. Okay. <laughs> the, se- <laughs> I love the, it. Second, the, the second uh, point is really for the Valley. I just want to make the big point that the Valley is definitely the, the, the Mecca uh, or the, the mountain, if I can stretch my own original uh, bad analogy uh, initially. But, you know, who knows what's going to happen? There are other big empires out there, commercial empires, and other ones, technological empires building in Asia and in other parts of the world. And who knows, the Silicon Valley of the future may not be in Silicon Valley. Ah, there's an interesting prediction. Thank you, Dan. Nuno Sebastiao from Feedseye. One minute. Give me your predictions. Nuno, go. Okay. So uh, I will believe that there will be a tendency that we see today already that more uh, specialization will happen. We had more distribution, so some functions will be in the valley of a company, whereas other functions, typically engineering, uh, will be elsewhere. Um, and there will be more and more distributed type of approaches with companies taking advantage of what the best technology has out there have to offer, offer in Europe, uh, Asia, and, uh, and in the U.S. Um, for FISI, in four years, well, as I was saying, who, who knows? Uh, but we definitely expect to fulfill our, our, our dreams of uh, becoming a market leader in our, in our segment. Terrific. Thank you, Nuno. Rounding it out quickly, one minute, Mark Narona from SAP Startup Focus. Go, Mark. Okay, so predictions. Valley is going to be uh, the valley uh, for a long time to come, one. Second, I see something really interesting happening in, within the next five years in Canada, the Toronto-Waterloo combined is making its presence felt, and it's going to be very interesting to watch over the next five years. In Europe, I think it's London and Berlin, 
that we need to be watching over the next five years. London and Berlin, that's interesting. I think I have an extra 30 seconds to give you. Why Berlin? Talk to me, Mark. There's a lot of activity happening out there. It looks like there's a lot more entrepreneurs in Germany than, than we would be led to believe. Okay, good closing. I have a couple predictions. I'm going to do them really fast. Thursday, Startup Focus with Game Changers, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll see you after the new year. This is our last show of the year. Thank you so much to my guests. I'll mention your names in a second. Tuesdays, we've started a new series here at the end of the year called Biz Buzz with Game Changers. Tuesdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern. And Wednesdays, Coffee Break with Game Changers, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern. You know that's my flagship show. And guess what? January 8th, we're going to start the new year with Predictions 2014 Special. It's the second of a three-part series on predictions. I have 45 guests who've been on the show in 2013 giving two- to three-minute predictions. You don't want to miss Part 2 and Part 3 coming up on January 22nd. Thank you, Dan Summers. Thank you, Nuno Sebastio. And thank you, Mark Nerona. Wonderful panelists, smart guys, great ideas, great flexibility. Appreciate your playing in the sandbox with me. And a quick shout-out to Michelle Hickey, Robert Capel. Pannon. Mike and the Business Channel team, thank you. And here's Bonnie's call to action at the end of the year. You ready, guys? Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? We're approaching a new year. Go out and be a game changer today. Bye-bye. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for SAP Startup Focus with Game Changers Radio. All out. Thanks again for tuning in to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.